Hi, my name is Daniel Frank, and I am the student ministries pastor here, uh, and I'm happy that you decided to join us. I have a quick question for you. Um, have you ever lost a sense of security in your home? I know when I have, there's a couple responses that start to well up within me. The first one is anxiety, <laughs> and the second one is this sense of fight or flight. Okay, so I had three experiences where I had a sense of, of losing security in my home. The first one was when I was a youngster, 13 or 14. Some of you may look at me and say, well, you're currently a youngster. Okay, I, I was a youngster, youngster. It was youngster times two, whatever, okay? So 13, 14, I'm laying down in my childhood home, and uh, my bed was right next to a window. So my head's right next to a window, and this window's looking out the back of my house down this hill, and it's just a steep grade hill onto a road that pops out onto Country Club Drive over by Lions Park. And laying there in the middle of the night at about 2 or 3 a.m., don't tell my mom that I stayed up that late, um, I hear some rustling in the leaves. This hill is just grass and leaves. So I hear some rustling in the leaves right there. And, and in my 13, 14-year-old head, I go, that is a bear. I know a bear when I hear it. That is definitely a bear. So now I am out of bed and I am dreading this encounter with this bear because I'm thinking the window is going to be the weak point of the wall, right? And he's going to jump through the window. So I go to my closet. I look at the top shelf. I start, I start moving things around. I grab the first thing that I see, this ultimate defense object. I grab my football. And now I'm standing at the window in my PJs with the football, standing there like Tom Brady, ready to chuck it right into the bear's mouth as he looks to grab me. So I'm sitting here, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 13, 14 years old, and as I'm looking at this window, I watch a deer cross the window. I go, okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. So then the second experience was when uh, I was living at... Hannah's uh, grandmother's place with Hannah when we were first married and first had Alora, and we're laying down. I've grown up a little bit at this point, so now I'm in bed ready to go to sleep at about 10 p.m., and I'm laying down, and I see a light flash past our window, so next to a window again, see a light flash past. It was, it was weird, because again, I'm at the back of the house, so it's not like it was headlights or anything normal. It was like, okay, no, something's going on, so then I see the light flash by again, 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 I go, okay, I know what this, it's a bear. I, okay, not a bear. A bear wouldn't have a flashlight. So, so I know that there are intruders out there. I hear again the rustling in the leaves. So I go to the closet, and it's this moment of anxiety and fight or flight. I reach up into the top shelf, once, a grab, grab, once again grab the trusty football to defend the invaders for my family. I'm now a man standing here ready to defend my daughter and my wife with this football in hand. The intruders are not making it past that sliding glass door. I peer out and what I find is that the neighbor dog had gotten into the yard and there's a bunch of dogs all rattle. I mean, as dogs do, it's just chaos when a new dog enters into the area or whatever. So just chaos. I help the situation like, okay. So then the third experience was me and Hannah bought a house. We've been living in it now for about a year and some change. And when the inspector inspects the house, he comes to me and Hannah and he says, hey, here's what I want you to know. There's a doggy door in the back area of the house. And it is a very large doggy door. It is so large that a small human could fit through it. So this is a massive security hazard. If someone wanted to unlock the door, they'd just reach up, unlock it, walk right in. So now... 
we, we're in the house, and we're two weeks in. I'm laying in bed. Now, you know, we've progressed, and I've grown up even more, and I'm in bed at 8 p.m., and I start to hear some noises, some creaks that I'm just I'm not used to because it's a new house, right? And I start, I'm like, okay, where's the football? Where's the football, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Like, I've been ready for this moment for so long. And uh, I start to think uh, a little bit more rationally in my head since it's so late at night at that point. Um, and I realize that me and Hannah have a very scary dog named Arlo. So if there were to be someone that walked into the home, Arlo, he could take care of business, all right? So then, thinking rationally, I go, okay, I think we're good, because we've got Arlo in the house. So the moral of the story is, you've got to get a scary dog like Arlo, and then you'll feel better, okay? Let's pray. Um, No, let's talk about feeling secure in our relationship with Christ. Having an identity of security in our relationship with Christ. Not just a sense of security or a feeling, because those things go away, but an identity of security. In Christ. So we're continuing in this true identity series where we're grabbing a, a character from the Bible and looking at where they were placing their identity and how God shows up within that. And then, in turn, how we can do the same thing. Um, and when I talk about security, there's, there's a pastor here named Steve York. He's our associate pastor. And he finds a lot of security in starting off all of his sermons with a Calvin and Hobbes uh, comic strip. So I figured, I have a hard time starting my messages, so I figured I'd start with the Calvin and Hobbes comic strip to get us kicked off here. So let's, let's read this together. Hey, Calvin, what are you up to? I am making the comics that Steve York demanded. He told me he needs 20 more by the end of the day. Yeah, that guy sure is uptight. The only thing that makes me feel better is knowing our comics are the only reason that he starts his sermons well. We can find security in starting off our sermons with a joke, in roasting people. We can find security in so many places. But do you ever feel a loss of security in your life? Seriously, because we can feel that, right? Like when we do not have an identity of security in Christ, we start to feel that wavy water, that shaky ground. There's a sense when, when we start to ask questions and, and we can really feel that shift. Maybe that's with your family. Man, are my kids in the right situation? Are, are they in the right school? Are, am I setting them up for the best success possible? Man, my, my marriage and things seem to be falling apart. How, do, how does this, this come together? My relationship, how do these things come together? Maybe it's your job. Layoffs are coming and, and you're hoping it's not your department, but there's in the back of your head, you just don't know. Maybe... You're not really happy with your job anymore, but it supports the family. So it's like, how do we balance these two things? Maybe it's your schooling. You're, you're in middle school, heading into high school next year, and you're like, man, what is that going to look like? I'm so secure with where I'm at. You're in high school thinking about going to college or moving into the next grade or changing sports, and it's like, what, what do I do with this? There's a loss of, of security. Maybe you have student debts out the wazoo, and you're like, how, how does this How do I balance this? What does this look like? Maybe it's with your mental health. Are you enveloped in depression, anxiety, or disorders? We can start to question 
the security that God provides when, when it bumps up against the hard things in our life. So do you ever feel that loss? And I want to talk this morning about when we have an identity of security in Christ, that there are steps that we can take and ways that we can move out of that space that bring about life rather than death. And one of the characters that I want to look at that I think exemplifies this really well is uh, David. So why don't you guys turn to 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37. So just to give you a sneak peek into some of the context here, uh, we're jumping into the story of David towards the beginning. David has, at this point, has been anointed as the next king instead of the current king, Saul. And David is even described as a man after God's own heart. Lofty title. So we're jumping into a moment where David's dad, Jesse, has sent him into the war front. The Israelites are at war with the Philistines, and they're in this valley in this standoff with Goliath the giant who's challenged them to a duel. And David is sent to go bring food to his brothers who are uh, amongst the Israelite army. And as he gets there, he has an inter interesting interaction with his brother. And then he sees Goliath, and Goliath is spewing these obscene insults and things toward the Israelites, and that doesn't sit with David very well. So he wants to go out there and challenge Goliath. And so this is where we're jumping in, is that David is pleading with Saul to be able to go out there. So again, 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37 says this, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, I pull out my football, and I club it to death. Okay, I think I misread it here. <laughs> I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Here's the thing that jumps out to me when I read that. It's a little bit of a side note, but we have to readjust our view of David here. If you're anything like me, you're viewing him as this scrawny little shepherd boy, right? Like there's this, this scrawny little guy that is showing up, and, and he's going to look something different. we got to readjust our view. But that's not the one. That was old, old David, maybe later on in his, his life there. This is maybe more of the accurate view that we can start to imagine David uh, in, in the Bible here, uh, that it's not going to be a scrawny little shepherd boy, but it's going to be a, a beefed-up young man, a very muscular young man, all right? Um, so again, in David's strength, we can see that no matter how he is physically or, or what that looks like, that David had faith in what God did, and that informed his next steps. David had faith in where God had shown up previously, and that is what informed his step towards a giant in his life. David knew that God showed up with the lions and the bears, and so he knew that God would show up if he went up against Goliath. There's an identity of security that David has in God. 
Again, it's not just a sense of security or a feeling of security. Because if David had that, I don't think he would have stepped out up against Goliath. But David had an identity of security in God. To the core of who he was, that is where he operated from. That is where the choices he made came from, was that he was standing on solid ground in his relationship with Christ. So I implore us to step into life out of a space of security in Christ. That we can step into our families, into our workspace, into our relationships, that we can step towards people out of an identity of security in Christ. And when we do that, we can bring down giants. When I think about David and, and I think about taking these steps, for us, man, if we're used to taking these steps and operating out of that identity, when the world offers a different identity or the world offers different armor for us to put on, it's just not going to feel right. It's just not going to make sense. And I think that we see David having a moment like that in 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. So it's just the next verses after what we previously read. Here's what it says. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. David was not used to Saul's armor. He was used to God taking care of him. I'm going to say that again. David was not used to Saul's armor. He was used to God taking care of him. What does that look like for us? If we're not used to the solutions that the world provides for our families and for our marriages and for our relationships, for our friendships, if we're not used to those things, that they just feel weird, it's like, gosh, I got to get this off. I'm not used to it. But we're so secure in the identity that Christ provides that we lay ourselves before him. And that's the space that we operate out of. We're not going to be used to what the world has to offer, the solutions that the world has to offer, the books that the world has to offer. We're just not going to be used to that. It's going to feel foreign. It's going to feel weird. And we see that David was so secure in God that he didn't need Saul's armor. And that's because God's security makes you question the world's security. If we're, so, if we're a people that are so used to the security that God provides. And again, we don't just place a feeling in that, but we place our identity in that. We're not going to be used to the solutions and to the things that the world has to offer. And if we're walking and taking steps out of that space, we're going to bring life to everyone around us. Because familiarity with God breeds an understanding of the part that we play. There's a part that you and I play. An identity of security in Christ doesn't mean that we just sit there and wait for him to bring all these good things to us. 
There are steps that we have to take. There are people that we have to move towards. There are decisions and choices that we have to make. But we have a part and God has a part. And I think David understood this relationship and, and who plays what part very well in his battle with Goliath. So we'll continue on in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. And what has happened in between this uh, passage and, and the one that we read before is that Goliath is offended that the Israelites would send a young boy out. Now a very muscular young boy, but a young boy nonetheless. Uh, out instead of uh, a man of war, per se. So then David uh, spews some obscene insults towards God's people, and that did not sit well with David, to say the least. So we jump in here, 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. Here's what it says. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. There is a confidence that David had in what part he had to play. God will conquer you, and I will kill you. He knew the relationship. He knew what his part was and what God's part was. And for us today, I would say that God wins, and we fight. God's going to win your family, but you're going to fight for it. God's going to win the hearts of your friends, but you're going to fight for it. God's going to win our children to himself, but we've got to fight for it. There's a part that we play. God wins, we fight. We have to move and live out of an identity of security in Christ. And out of that, we can bring life to the people around us. But we've got to fight for it. There's a dynamic there. There's, there are parts to be played. But here's the reality. Sometimes I don't fight well. Sometimes I don't fight at all. And that's where things get messed up. So for David, we see a moment where he doesn't fight. And that moment is going to be in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4. We see a moment that David doesn't go out to war when he usually would. And we see some comfort, maybe even some boredom. And we see what that brings about. So again, 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4 says this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the son of Elam, 
and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, and then she returned home. David stayed back when he would normally go out to war. He paused for a moment, and he was comfortable, even a little bit bored in this moment. And what happens is that when we get comfortable, we can start to question whether God has really taken care of us. When we pause, when, when we're comfortable and, and even dipping into some boredom, our flesh starts to ask, has, has God really taken care of you? And out of that place comes greed and discontentment. And out of that greed and discontentment, David stops fighting and, and he falls short. So for us, God wins, we fight. And we're in a battle against our flesh, ourselves. We're in a battle against the spiritual world. And it's, it's up against us. This discontentment, this greed moves us into places where we end up losing our identity of security in Christ. And we, we start to ask questions. These things, these core questions start to rattle around because the identity of our flesh is steeped in discontentment, greed, and fear. And those questions show up as, has God really taken care of me? Is God really out for my best? Am I safe with God? As David is walking around on the roof of his palace, it may have not been these words well, it definitely wasn't because we speak English. But this is the core. Am I really taken care of? Do I really have enough? There's something there that I want. And he loses his sense of security, this identity of security in Christ. Again, not just a sense, but an identity. And when we lose our identity of security in Christ, we are liable to make choices to bring about our own security. When we start to feel the shaky ground of has God really taken care of me? Is God really out for my best? When we start to stand on those wavy waters and we're getting shaken up a bit and we're getting a little bit anxious and our heart starts to pump and we're making choices out of that, what we're trying to do is bring about our own security, our version of security. For David, that looked like Bathsheba. But the question is for us today, where do you run for security? Where do you go when you start to feel that shaky ground? Where do you go when you're standing on the wavy waters and you just want to be secure? And I, I don't ask this question out of judgment or condemnation. I ask this question because this has been transformational for me. Because I know when I'm standing on shaky ground, when I'm standing on wavy waters, the security that I run to has been pornography, has been greed. How much new things can I get? It has been self-indulgence. So I say this to tell you, where do you run 
for security. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is the only place that we can truly be secure. Jesus is the only place that will not leave us lonely and wondering what the heck is going on. And I, I have found such a, a transformational place with Jesus that I can tell you we are in a battle against our flesh. And it's not just I used to run towards those things, but it's that if I don't keep my flesh in check, if I don't keep my identity in check, I will run back to those things. God wins and we fight. There are steps to take. There are things to keep in check. We cannot rest. So it's not just has, but it's will. So there are things, there are tools. One of the most impactful tools for me has been regeneration that happens here at the church. And through that, this question of, of where do you run to be secure has been a question that just knocks me around, to be honest. And what tools like regeneration do is that they bring you to the feet of Jesus. Is that they, they bring you to an identity level, not just a sense level or a feeling level or an action level, but they bring you to the core of what's going on within you. Having an identity of security in Christ does not mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that things are going to work out how you want. There are parents that pray every day for their children to come to Christ, and it, it, children still run away. Things don't always work out. It's not going to be easy. But the difference is, is that instead of taking steps on shaky ground and wavy waters, we are now taking steps on a solid ground on an identity level, not just a feeling level. God will win, we have to fight. An identity of security in Christ requires us to know him and to take steps out of our part. We need to know Jesus. This world is broken. I am broken. We are broken. And Jesus has paid the penalty and has died for our sins so that we can have relationship with him right now and forever into eternity. We need to know him. We need to experience him. And I say this all the time at youth group, and I want to talk about it every time that I'm up here, that the way that we know God, the way that we experience him is through what you may have heard as spiritual disciplines. I like to call them relational resources just because it makes my heart feel a little bit better. Um, when you read your Bible, when you pray, when you're involved in community, that is what puts you at the feet of Jesus. That is what brings you to him. It is not something to check the box or something to do as, as a routine even. If you love routines, please keep a routine. That's great. I'm just saying it's not something to, to check a box. Because the second that you go, okay, boom, read my Bible, boom, prayed, boom, texted my church friends. Like the second that you're doing that, you're missing the point. Because these things, these relational resources are resources for us to be at the feet of Jesus. That is the heart. 
And that is where we need to be. So we need to know him and take steps out of our part. Once we know him and we're at his feet, then we need to go fight. Because God will win and we will fight. We take steps out of our part because of his part. So here's what I encourage you to do with me this week. This week, take 10 minutes each day to ask God where in your life you can run to him for security. We're, we're running somewhere. And if I learned, I learned a lot through regeneration and my two seasons there. But one of the impactful things that I learned is that there are so many places that I run to for security that I didn't even know that I was doing it. We're just not aware. We'd love to, I'd love to think that I'm aware of myself, but I'm not in a lot of areas. So one of the most impactful prayer times that I've had with my creator is God, show me the things that I don't even know about myself. Show me the spaces that, that I'm not running to you. So take 10 minutes each day this week with me to ask God where in your life you can run to him for security. And then there's a few questions that I want you to consider. So I'll invite the band up. The first question is, what would come up against an identity of security in Christ for you? Again, we are in a battle against our flesh and against the spiritual realm. So what's going to come up against you as you look to develop an identity of security in Christ. Not just a sense or a feeling, but an identity. What's going to come up against that? Prepare for that. And then when you don't feel secure, where do you run? Where do you go to? What are the dark places that you head to to feel secure? And then how has God made you feel secure these days? What are the, what are the lions and the bears? What's the giant that God has conquered in your life? Where has God made you feel secure? Where is he building up that identity of security within you? And as you begin to realize these things and, and think about these things, I hope you would understand that our lives, the missing ingredient, the special ingredient to our lives is to love Jesus most. That's what you build your life around. That's it. There's no more secrets. That's the one. You love Jesus most. You build your life around that. And as you build your life around that, hopefully you'll begin to realize that who you are, who I am, flows from the great I am. Who we are flows from the great I am. So if you want an identity, not just a sense or a feeling, but an identity of security in Christ. You have to know him, and you have to take steps out of your part. God wins, we fight. Let's be a people that fight for an identity of security in Christ. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this place that we can come before you.